We're going to step back in the gospel according to Luke today to chapter 9. There is a very familiar text that God has led me to again for this morning that I wanted to challenge you with in Luke chapter 9. How would you respond to someone who asked you these three questions? They're thought-provoking questions, so they're not ones that you could answer necessarily in a simple statement per se, but I want you to give it some thought this morning. These three questions, who are you? Who are you? Where are you going? Why are you going there? Now, I know that it seems maybe they could be simple. For example, you might say, well, my name is this, and I'm not going anywhere right now because I'm sitting here, and this is the reason why I'm sitting here this morning. But I think you understand the question is more about life, the journey that life is, that we are all on together. Some of us, well, we're all at different points in that journey but we're in this journey called life. Who are you? In this journey of life, where are you going and why are you heading to the place that you would say that you're going? These questions all have to do with identity. Identity. And Jesus spoke to his disciples, those who were his followers, about identity in Luke chapter 9. Interestingly, it wasn't just about identity in general. He spoke to them about his identity first. And then he followed up with a discussion about their identity. Look at it here in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 22. He's already questioned them about who do the people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then in verse 22, saying this is Jesus now the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day and he said to them all if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth. There be some standing here, which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. It's a familiar text. I think you know that this text of Scripture that discusses Jesus' identity and the disciples' identity describes what exactly discipleship is. What we find in Jesus' words here is a progression of discipleship that appears in three parts, and it's in these three parts of the progression of discipleship that we want to spend our time today. But as we do, 
I want you to understand that it's simply God's desire to lead us to be disciples. And I know that it's easy for believers in Jesus Christ to say, I am a follower of Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus. What does it really mean to be a disciple? Is it as simple as maybe we tend to make it? Well, I claim the name of Jesus. I follow him in some different ways in my life. I do these things for Jesus. I've committed these things to Jesus. These areas of my life are his. Is that the extent of discipleship? Discipleship is about being a fully committed follower of Jesus. And as we look at these progressions, I want you, as I've encouraged you to do before, to reflect on that question. Am I a fully committed follower of Jesus? Look at the first part of the progression of discipleship here. It's found in verse 22, and I would simply call it the cause of discipleship. When we think about being a disciple, a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ, where does the motivation come from? What is the reason why we would choose to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And it's found here in the preceding verses, but especially jumps out at verse 22, is Jesus discusses with his disciples his identity. Now remember, he's asked them, what does the crowd say about me? And do you understand that, that most everyone out there who has heard the name Jesus has some idea of who they believe Jesus to be? In Jesus' day, as he went about teaching and doing miracles and, and the good that he did, everybody had some idea for themselves who Jesus was. And, and Jesus asked his disciples, who are they saying that I am? And they gave some different ideas. But then Jesus came down to, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up for the group and he said, we believe you are the Christ we believe you're the promised one of God. You're the Christ of God. Here's how it's recorded in Matthew 16, 16, which is the parallel passage. There, Peter's response is recorded, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the promised Messiah. You're the very Son of God. How do you identify Jesus today? If you were to be asked that question by Jesus himself, who do you say that I am? What would your response consist of? We could look throughout the Old and New Testament for different identifications with, for Jesus. What we find, though, is this simple truth. Jesus is not just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good teacher. Jesus is the eternal son of the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. 
He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the light of the world, the bread of life. He's the door, the gate, the one and only potentate. He's the rose of Sharon, the balm of Gilead, the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And this is just a sampling of how the Bible describes this man, this person that we call Jesus. He is the I am that I am. And I hope today that you can say of a surety that you know who Jesus is. And like the songwriter wrote, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I trust that that's true of you today. Do you know who Jesus is? Have you accepted the truth of who he is? You see, it's not enough to say, well, he's a good man. It's not enough to say he was a good teacher. It's not enough to say he was a prophet. There are different religions, different different followings in the world that view Jesus that way, but it is not enough. It's not even enough to say that Jesus died and that he died on a cross. Friends, he is God who gave himself for you, who took upon him the sin of the world. He was buried, and three days later, he arose back to life, and he lives today. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you know who Jesus is? You see, the motivation for discipleship, the cause for discipleship is a response to who Jesus truly is. But not just who he is. It's the recognition of what he's done. Verse 22, Jesus told his disciples, yes, that's who I am. I'm, I'm the Christ, you're right. But look at what he would do. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes, be slain and raised the third day. You see, it's the recognition of who he is, but it's also the response to what he has done because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ one who is a fully committed disciple a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ you've recognized who he is but you've also responded to what he has done friends can I ask you how much does what Jesus did mean to you That he came, that he walked this in this world for 33 years. He lived a perfect life, the life you and I can't. And then at 33 years of age, he was rejected. John tells us he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They rejected him. He presented himself as the promised king. And they said, no, we don't want you. We have no king but Caesar. 
they took him to the Roman authorities. And as the Roman authority Pilate said, I don't find any fault in him, so I'm going to take a basin of water and I'm going to wash my hands of the blood of this just man. They said, that's fine, Pilate. His blood be on us and on our children. We'll willingly take responsibility for this man's death. And he went to that cross where he died that cruel death for us all. You say, how can you say for us all? Because it was the death that we all deserved. We're sinners condemned by our sin before a holy and a just God. But God, praise be to his name, is not willing that any should perish. And so he sent his son into the world to take our place on Calvary. He died for your sin was buried and three days later rose to life because as Paul was sure to tell us in Galatians chapter 2 if justifications by anything but faith then Christ is dead in vain and if there be no resurrection 1 Corinthians chapter 15 then we're of all men most miserable our faith is vain he rose again, Romans chapter 4, for our justification. It is because he died, taking our place, and rose again that we can be justified, declared righteous in God's courtroom, and have the hope of eternal life. Have you truly responded to what he's done? Have you trusted him as your Savior? That's the first step. Have you come to that place in your life where you've recognized that that is who Jesus is? He's your Savior. That what he did was not about himself, and it wasn't about just a select group of people. He died for all. He gave himself for you, and you cannot come to God. You cannot come to where he is, to heaven for eternity, unless you trust him as your Savior. But I would go on and say a further response, a next step response to who Jesus is and what he has done is a fully committed life to him. Nothing short of that. Have you responded in that way? What does Jesus' revelation of his death, burial, and resurrection mean to you personally? When Jesus told his disciples, follow me, it doesn't come from one who is simply a man, one who's just a good teacher, even a great prophet. It comes from the one who's the eternal son of God, who laid down his life for me and you. He rose victorious over sin, death, and hell. So you see the cause of discipleship, the motivation, the reason why we would make that type of commitment is because of who he is and what he's done. Number two, if you will, notice the course of discipleship. It's easy enough to say that your right identification of Jesus naturally implies following him. I mean, think about it. 
if he is the eternal son of God who laid down his life and rose victorious over sin, death, and hell for you, then certainly I'll follow him. Certainly I'll, I'll be a fully committed follower of Jesus. But friends, can I remind you that though he already went to the cross, following Jesus doesn't mean immediately receiving a crown. It means first following him to the cross. That's exactly what Jesus makes clear to them. By the way, don't miss in all of this. What were the disciples of Jesus hoping for? They wanted a crown, didn't they? They, they thought Jesus as the Messiah would, would immediately set up the kingdom and would give them places of service in his kingdom, not as, not as servants, but as people to reign with him. Remember, even the night Jesus was betrayed as he shared the Last Supper with them, there was a discussion going on among them. And what was that discussion about? Which of us is going to be the greatest in his kingdom? They wanted to reign with Jesus. They wanted the crown. But I dare say if you asked any of them at that point, suffering with Jesus might have been a little bit of a stretch. They didn't think that's what discipleship meant. And so in verse 23, when Jesus tells them exactly what discipleship meant, this was, this was a surprise to them. He said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Yes, they wanted to reign with him. They wanted to overthrow the Romans to set up the kingdom. They wanted Jesus to give them positions of power and honor in the kingdom. But it wasn't to be right then. First, they needed to take up the cross. Remember, in God's economy, the cross always precedes the crown. Do you remember how many of the early believers identified their connection with Jesus? What did they say about themselves? You find it regularly in the beginning of Paul's letters. Paul, as he would write letters to the churches, look at Romans, look at 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Paul regularly introduced himself a specific way. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Peter identified himself the same way later in his epistle as a servant. It's a really nice English translation of the Greek word doulos. Because the word doulos, in its most literal sense, doesn't mean servant in the way that we think of it. The most literal translation of that word is slave. I want to ask you to think with me for a few moments this morning. Have you ever really thought of yourself as a slave? 
when Paul came to faith in Jesus Christ and counted everything in his life he had thought was worth anything up to that point as dung that he might win Christ, Paul recognized what it meant to be a fully committed follower of Jesus. I am his slave. You go back in the Old Testament what that meant when when individuals in in the law that God had established as slavery was already a part of that day and we don't like to acknowledge that that happens and that has happened in history but it was already a part of the day and what God established for his people was right treatment and taking care of them and but if they had a slave who who served for his time and then decided that that he wanted to remain with his master he chose to give up everything to the master's control that he might become a doulos a bond slave to his master he gave up the rights to everything to any ownership of anything that he had anything he had accumulated during his time as a servant he gave up his own life to his master to become a slave that's what paul said he was to jesus that's what Peter said he was to Jesus. They were slaves. Have you ever considered yourself a slave? What does it truly mean to be a disciple, a slave of Jesus Christ? I read, heard about a group of missionaries just this past week. Not It happened this week. I heard about it this past week who decided that God was calling them to go to a, an island off the South American continent. On this particular island, there was one massive plantation, and most of the people who were residents of this island were slaves to this plantation. And these slaves had very strict rules. For example, only other slaves could communicate with these slaves. So these individuals who felt God calling them to reach these people on this island were trying to determine how they could reach these people with those kind of restrictions in place. So you know what these missionaries did? They decided to sell themselves into slavery so they could be slaves at this plantation that they might reach the slaves of that plantation. You know what's interesting about that? They were already slaves anyway. You say, Pastor, how could you say that? They were already slaves because they were fully committed followers of Jesus. They saw themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ. So we might look at that and go, wow, that's kind of that's kind of fanatical. That's kind of that's kind of crazy to go to that level, to go to that extent. Not for someone who's already a fully committed follower of Jesus. Jesus declared, if any man, in verse 23. Friends, just like any person can be saved, any person can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But there's a choice involved for you and I. No one is too lost for Jesus to save. 
you're not too lost for Jesus to rescue. Wherever you are, whoever you are, in whatever you have or haven't done, Jesus is your Savior, and you're not beyond his saving. But if you are saved, there is nothing holding you back from being a disciple of Jesus. You lack nothing. You can and should follow Jesus. It's not the easiest choice. It's not the smoothest path or the most popular course. But any person can be a disciple. What is this course of discipleship? Number one, I'll, I'll ask you to notice it's a course of desire. Notice what Jesus says. If any man, what? What's the next word? If any man will follow, will come after me. Our English language, we look at the word will here and we think of this as a, a helping verb or an auxiliary verb to, to come to make it a future tense verb. But that is not what's happening in the Greek text. It's a separate verb. It's a compound verb here two separate verbs the word will here is that word that means desire it's a present independent verb that's a statement of will of intent of determination and come after it just further describes what the will is what the intent is so when we understand discipleship we have to understand first of all it's about your desire what is your desire in life what do you want to get out of life what do you want in life is being a fully committed follower of jesus what you want what you desire a song that is a newer song that we've sung before here at cornerstone i believe pictures what this desire looks like very well the songwriter wrote the only thing i want in life is to be known for loving Christ. To build his church, to love his bride, and make his name known far and wide. For this cause I live, for this cause I'd die. I surrender all for the cause of Christ. All I once held dear, I will leave behind. For my joy is this, the cause of Christ. It is not fame that I desire, nor stature in my brother's eyes. I pray it said about my life that I lived more to build your name than mine for the cause of Christ. What do you want in life? What do you want to get out of life? Being a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ begins with what you want, what you desire. Let me ask you this. What does your life currently show that you want, that you desire? We, we could get in even more specific. What, a, what does the way you use your wallet show that you want out of life, that you desire in life? How does the way you spend the majority of your time, the, the free time that you have, those moments where it's up to you what you do, what does that show that you want in life? What do, what do the words you use with others show that you want out of life? 
It starts with desire. It's a course of desire. Notice, secondly, it's a course of denial. If any man will come after me, let him what? Let him what? Deny himself. In a stunning irony, Jesus uses the same word here that's used later to describe Peter's response to Jesus after Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and put on trial. You remember what happened? Jesus told Peter, you will what? Deny me three times. It's the same word that Jesus uses here. But it gives us an interesting insight to what the word means. When Peter followed through on Jesus' prediction, he followed Jesus from a distance, came to the courtyard of the high priest's home where Jesus was first took and put on trial before the Sanhedrin. And Peter is confronted by those in the courtyard who knew he had been with Jesus. And they said, you've been with Jesus. We, we know you. you. You were with him. You, you, your speech gives it away. We've seen you with him. We've seen you... <coughs> about doing the works that he did and Peter denied what did he say no I have no part with him I have no connection with him I don't know who you're talking about I don't know this person and I have no involvement with him whatsoever that's what this word deny means it has the idea of having no connection no connection with a person whatsoever what does Jesus say? If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself. Cut off any connection with self. You know, I think if I'm honest, <coughs> and I would imagine if you are as well, you'd have to admit that there are often times in life where I act a little selfish. Where the choices I make, the way I spend my time, the things I, I do, the things that I use my, my finances on, you know who it's ultimately about? It's not about you. It's not about Jesus. It's about me. What I want. What I desire. What will make me happy. What will make me comfortable. You know what Jesus said? If you're going to be a fully committed follower. Thank you so much, Brother Kevin. If you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you have to deny self. You have to cut off connection with self. It can't be about you at all. When life is about you, when the things I do are about me, I am not living as a fully committed follower of Jesus because I've not denied myself. To deny utterly no connection is the course of your life connected to self or Savior. Discipleship means you will break connection with self. You're not promoting yourself. You're promoting the Savior. Your identity is about 
him is that true in your life and then notice thirdly it's a course of death that progression brings emphasis to the denial doesn't it no connection with self to the point of death let him deny himself and take up his cross Deny yourself to the extent that you're willing to take the cross, which is an instrument of death, and still go on with Jesus. In our culture, in our society, we've not had the opportunity to be afforded that choice. To be put in a position where we literally do choose between following Jesus or forfeiting our life. In the figurative sense, this is dying to self to live to him, but there is also that literal sense where I would be willing to go on and lay down my life for Jesus if that choice were put before me. His death. Something you would go through for Jesus. Again, I think it's easy. We'd like to think the answer would be yes, but we can take a step back and go, have we even taken that step of dying to self to go on with Jesus? Jesus qualified this course of discipleship. These words deny and take up are in the Greek aorist tense, which, which is the idea of a once and for all action. Jesus says, once and for all, deny yourself. Once and for all, take up your cross. But then he adds this qualifier, daily. Daily. The course of discipleship is a day-by-day -day activity of desire. It's got to be what you want every day. Not just Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and so on. Every day, a day-by-day -day desire for Jesus. It's a day-by-day -day denial. I don't know about you, but there are times where I have been unselfish. But you know what happens? Self creeps up again and again and again and again. And every day I have to say no. We've said before, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I die daily. He understood it. I die to self every day. It's, it's about daily desire, about daily death. We could say discipleship is a course of daily desire, daily denial, daily death. Is that true in your life? Jesus said it this way in Luke 14, and there were great there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, "If any man come to me." And hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build the tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth 
whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of all you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. What is your morning routine like? I would imagine most of us have some form of routine most mornings that we follow. You, you have a schedule to keep, somewhere to be, something to do, so you have a, an alarm, you, you get up and you go through this process. I wonder, is this idea of daily desire, denial, and death part of that morning routine? Making a decision. I want Jesus above all. And so I'm going to cut off all connection with self to go after him no matter the cost. Because discipleship costs something. But you have to want Jesus more than what the cost is. And then would you notice finally, and very quickly we'll conclude, the conclusion of discipleship. That's what verses 24 through 27 are all about. Jesus is describing here what the end of discipleship looks like. And he gives these two contrasting pictures. These, these contrasts of gains and losses. And if we're not careful, we'll read into this a an application of salvation, but that's not what this is about. Jesus here is not talking about salvation. He, he's talking about the idea of temporal versus eternal investment. You see, if I am not a disciple of Jesus, if my life is about self, and my life is about the here and the now, I'm going to invest in self. I'm going to invest in the things that are for here and now. And guess where that investment ends? In the here and now. It will only make a difference in this life for a time. It will not matter in eternity. But if I daily choose Christ deny self and follow him even if it's to death then there may be loss now it costs something but the investment is eternal that, that investment is that which can never be taken away or fade away it will last forever Failing to live as a disciple may bring gain now, but it leaves nothing for eternity. Choosing to be a disciple may mean some cost now, some loss now. But the investment is eternal. I asked at the beginning, who are you? Where are you going and why are you heading to that place? I wonder what the answers are for you. I would encourage you to honestly reflect 
on your commitment to Jesus. Nothing short of, of total commitment to Jesus is discipleship. Nothing short of that. One writer wrote it this way. What is gained in Christ far outweighs all that is lost for Christ. Are you a fully committed follower of Jesus? Is daily denial due to desire and death part of your life for Jesus? That's what it means to be a disciple. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? And for just a few moments, I'd ask you to, to reflect with me on how God has spoken to your heart. Perhaps you're here this morning and your need is salvation. Maybe you're watching or listening online today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You've never responded to who he truly is and what he has done for you in faith, believing that you're a sinner condemned in your sin before God, that Jesus came, died the death you deserve after living the life that you couldn't live, and that he rose again three days after dying for you. You've never trusted him. You've never called out to him in faith, believing, repenting of your sin in turning in faith to Christ. Today, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I invite you to come and believe on Jesus. You cannot get to God. You cannot get to the Father but through Jesus. Nothing you do will be good enough. Nothing you give will be enough. You must believe that Jesus died and rose again for you to be saved. Will you believe? And then, friend, are you a fully committed follower? Today, perhaps Jesus has spoken to your heart about being that. Maybe he's showed you ways in which your life is not as committed to him as you would have liked to believe it is. And you need to make that commitment to turn over whatever it is that you've held back. How easy it is to compartmentalize our lives and give parts to God, but not give it all. And that's what being a disciple is.